Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. today for a very special podcast with one of our favorite friends. <laughs> I'm here with Ali Stagnina, my co-anchor, and here she is, the bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. Yay, I'm happy to be here. I love the introduction. Proud to be one of your favorite friends. Thank you. Oh, we, yes, you are. And, you know, we were so happy that we could reach you and talk with you right now because you have, a, a, I think you've got a lot of thoughts about what is going on with the protests after George Floyd's death and with the, the Black Lives Matter movement and how that affects Bachelor Nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I, what I loved is I just loved this post, this blog post that you wrote on your blog and uh, it's called, your blog is called Honestly Rach. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a really beautiful blog. Like in general, it's a really fun, relatable blog. You answer questions, but you posted a very, very thoughtful and very strong blog about why you believe the Bachelor Nation has to become more diverse. Yes. So why don't you tell us in your own words why you wrote it mm -hmm. and the points that you are making. Absolutely. So I, you're, you're right. The blog is supposed to be a little bit more lighthearted where it's kind of like an ask rate. You can ask me questions, but in light of everything that's going on, I've tried to read what my audience wants to hear. And so I've done one on black lives matter and then on the bachelor. And what led me to do the one on the bachelor is because a lot of people, I don't know if they're new followers or what, but were accusing me, of capitalizing on what's going on in the country and using it to turn on the Bachelor franchise. I got a, like several comments about that. I actually haven't even spoken out about this yet. Y'all, you guys bring something out of me. Every single time I come on here, I'm, I'm always like, I've never said that before. <laughs> I thought, we are all ears. We always want to hear. <laughs> I'm amongst friends. So I thought, okay, I need to do a blog to address this because this isn't my first time calling out the franchise. It's just now my voice is amplified, hence the hashtags, and there's a movement behind it. So I thought I would spell out in the blog different times that I've called out the franchise. I talked about the lack of diversity in the leads. I've talked about lack of producers, um, people of color, making your people, the uh, excuse me, the color, my gosh, the people of color contestants feel safe, feel comfortable, feel like they can open up and, and talk to you. Um, I was vocal about at the 15 year reunion about being the sole representation of color amongst the other bachelorettes. I also spoke about, I've, I'm still not over Mike Johnson, not being the bachelor and couldn't understand why that choice was. We aren't, we're with you there. I'm still See? not over it. I know, we're not over it. We love Mike. <laughs> 
yeah, we don't have any answers. So I, I felt like I needed to detail that, but then I felt, why am I going to stop there? If I'm talking about change that needs to be made, I need to put out suggestions on what I'm talking about and how these, what these changes look like. So my biggest thing was that I want acknowledgement from the franchise. I want the franchise to say, you know what? We got it wrong. And we recognize that and moving forward, we want to make everyone that's a contestant on the show and even our audience feel included instead of excluded. So I wanted an acknowledgement, still waiting on that. Mm -hmm. I'd like for them to cast more leads of color. And I say black because I'm black, but I don't want to stop there. Asian, Indian, you know, Middle Eastern, whatever it may be, just to diversify what the leads look like. Right, and it represents I, America. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what else? Is, I suggested that they have more producers that are people of color because I think part of the success of the show is contestants being able to open up about who they are so they feel comfortable opening up with the lead. You spend more time with the producers. If you don't feel comfortable or safe, you're mm -hmm. not going to go far on the show. You're going to shut down. You're going to go home. And I think that's just a really interesting point you made because people don't think of that. They only think of all the contestants sitting there in the house and all talking with each other or else going on the dates. You don't realize that you spend a lot of time with the producers. Yes. And I felt like the show did a great job when I was The Bachelorette. They asked me questions. They brought in producers of color and they really wanted to get it right. They would check with me on things and I appreciated that. But all that ended when I was The Bachelorette. Even two out of those three producers left. So I want the change to continue. I have to remember the reason that I started doing all of this. I wanted to find love, but I also wanted to be a trailblazer and diversify the audience and the leads. And so my goal was that I would be able to do that once I went through my journey and it hasn't happened. And I think I lost all hope when it wasn't Mike Johnson. And I thought, well, well we're never gonna get it at this point. I mean, he checked all the boxes. So I, I do feel like my blog sparked some attention and I'm hoping to put a voice behind it. And I am getting the attention of producers. I have had executive producers reach out to me since the blog. Well, that's great. And when they've reached out, what kind of things are they saying? They agree with me. Uh, they're pretty much saying, I hear you, we see you, we recognize that change needs to be made. And they make it seem as if there will be steps taken. So I am hopeful, I'm cautious, but I'm hopeful that there will be some movement towards what, what I want, what, what contestants on the show want, and what the audience wants, truly. So I, I, I'm thankful that they reached out to me mm -hmm. because it could have gone a completely different way. But um, I wasn't before, I think in one interview and I said they haven't, they actually have now, so. Well, let's just remind our listeners that it's been, what, 15 years of The Bachelor and Bachelorette? And 18, 18, 18 years. 15 for Bachelorette, you're right, but 18 for the whole franchise. Okay, so we're talking 18 years in total mm -hmm. and of Bachelor and Bachelorette, and you are the only person of color who has been a lead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Was it you, that, Rach, that wrote that we're like going in on like presidential territory? Like, <laughs> that's like, right. Barack Obama. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. you are Barack Obama. Well, I, well thank you. <laughs> thank you, But I was thinking about that. I was just sitting yeah. at home and I thought, wow, if we continue in this way, 
you're more likely, you're going to be able to say you're more likely to become the president of the United States than you are the lead of this franchise. That's wild, yeah. wild to think of it that way. And obviously, they're not anywhere near on the same level, but just as far as the numbers are concerned, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think when you put it in, in that way, people think, whoa. You know, because it's easy to get caught up in it. It's easy to, you see the contestants and you don't really focus on the lead, but having gone through it, there's just so many changes that can be made internally and even externally as far as who the lead is. Well, and also, um, you know, something that never comes up is that, well, first of all, very few of the final, like the final three are a person of color. Mm -hmm. And also what really never comes up is, is, is the discussion between the lead and potential mates about how the interracial, interracial relationship, like how they feel about that and what issues that presents. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I remember when I was on Nick's season at Hometown, that became the focus of my entire hometown. And so that was the first time because I had made it the farthest than any other person of color. So it was the first time to have that conversation. And then on my season, they tried to do it more than I wanted to. And I pushed back because it was like, there's stop making it all about race. They get it. They see me, they know I'm black. You know, let's not talk about it until it's absolutely necessary, which we did touch on it a bit when we got to hometowns um, as well. I feel like it's kind of what they did with like Colton being a virgin, but it's like, stop harping on like the one like diverse thing about, you know, it's like, yeah. it just doesn't, it's not right. It's no, absolutely. And one thing that I did also mention with the changes is that when you are casting a lead, okay, every lead is not going to be of color, get right. it. But when you do cast a white lead, make them actually be interested in pursuing an interracial relationship. Right. That's never the case. And it's so obvious to the audience that you're keeping certain people just to fill a spot to, right. to fill a quota, rather than the person genuinely being interested in dating outside of their race. I'm happy to say that I know I talked to Claire and I know Claire is interested in dating outside of her race. And I think that that's also the beauty of picking an older bachelor or bachelorette. They have more life experiences. They're not discovering who they are while also trying to figure out the journey of the bachelor or bachelorette. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited with Claire that you might see that change because they actually casted a lead who's interested in exploring interracial relationships. Right, and it is, yeah, open to it. Um, but uh, I wonder, like for you and Brian, like for any couple, I mean, I've said this before about the bachelor and the bachelorette, that so, so infrequently, do the couples actually talk about real life issues about do they have common goals like in life how do they feel about having children how do they want to raise children uh, you know what do, does one person want to stay home does do they both want to have careers like religion all these things that in real life you have to think about and if you're an interracial couple i'm sure that these are things that you discuss before you get married you would hope so. I actually know that now that just with everything that's going on in the world, I'm having conversations with friends who have friends in interracial relationships who are just now dealing with race. It's as if they didn't talk about it 
and now they're forced to because of what, what's going on in our country. That blows my mind. I've, I've been very honest that in my fantasy suites, I pulled out a list and I was like, what, where do you stand on politics, religion, exactly. relationship, kids, credit score. I mean, I, I needed to know that I, when I, if I said yes and I go home to my family, did you ask these questions? Did you vet them out? So Brian and I were prepared for this. But I mean, honestly, people do it outside of The Bachelor and they do it in The Bachelor where they don't have these conversations. I mean, it's no secret my co-host is currently on Bachelor Happy Hour is going through it right now because she and her fiance have competing, conflicting thoughts in regards to Black Lives Matter and even some other issues because when he was on her season, um, he liked a lot of problematic or things on social media that were problematic. Yeah. Kind of revealed who he is. And now that's all coming back again in light of this. Oh. So it's like, obviously you didn't have these discussions before. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, because of the times we're also, we're living in, like, I don't know if, how can you not have a political discussion if you're thinking of marrying somebody because couples have been torn apart in this era by their political bent. I think, you know, there are things we can and can't handle. And for me, politic, I, I'm just too opinionated. So that's like a deal breaker for me. I don't want you to have my thoughts, but we at least need to align, have the same foundation when it comes to that. For some people, it's not. So I think, you know, Becca is trying to figure that out right now because so many things are coming up in light of what's going on in our country. Right, and those differences came up before she got engaged. Yep. Because they well, did come up on social media. Well, she was on the show, like, once it aired. She like Oh, yeah, once it aired. She was on the right. show. But, Rachel, right. upon seeing, you know, after you guys filmed this podcast, and upon seeing her response to it yesterday, saying, you know, she could have done more, you know, yeah. to kind of be more open and like not just defend her fiance. What what was your reaction to that? And also, do are you guys like? It, I I feel like is it hard to like be civil with some with her right now? Like, are you guys good? Well, I'll give you inside scoop. I don't know if the oops. Well, here we go. So yeah. <laughs> so. When I did the podcast, I was exhausted. I mean, I cried, I was frustrated, and it all came out. And I took a break, and then I listened to the podcast back, and I got frustrated all over again. Well, we've since had a conversation, and I know that Becca doesn't like, I, I know Becca doesn't like the way that she came across on the podcast and felt like she really didn't do well voicing what she believes in. And to give you some background too, Becca had just buried her grandfather the day before we podcasted. So just imagine this, she's going to a funeral and Garrett posts that tweet about the thin blue line. And it's like, so she's trying to grieve, but then has to come to social media and see all of that. Right. So she truly probably should not have podcast. Was his tweet about basically supporting the police. Yeah. Yeah, because the day before he did the black box, which everyone else did, but he didn't say Black Lives Matter. He posted all the hands of all shades, which pretty much means all lives. And there was no caption. And then the next day he did a full caption about police officers and how we all matter. And it, it, I'm paraphrasing it, but that was the general thought. 
mm-hmm. or that he was trying to convey. So Becca really probably shouldn't have done that podcast. So when we podcast again this week, I know she wants to address how she came across, which is conflicting with the post to answer your question, Allie. So I'm not sure. I didn't know why she said that in the post because what she's telling me is different. So we'll see what happens in the next podcast, but I know that she wants to really voice her thought on where she stands with Black Lives Matters and what's Black, Black Lives Matter and what's going on in the country. And what about in her relationship? Is she yeah. going to talk more about that and how it's affecting her relationship? So she touched on it in the podcast and just said, it's difficult and a lot of tough conversations are happening and she's really struggling. And I know she's struggling. So I, my advice as a friend to her was, we don't need to talk about your relationship on the next podcast and put that out for the court of public opinion. You really have some real things you need to work on behind the scenes in your relationship. And I don't think it's fair that we keep talking about it on our podcast because she's really trying to figure some things out. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And listen, better to figure them out before you actually tie the knot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I know she's in a walk in a hard place and I know so many people are telling her what she should do. And I've really, I've stayed away from that. You know, I speak how I feel about the post and what, what that makes me feel about him, but never about her relationship and what she should do because things are hard enough for her right now. Right. Yeah. Really good advice. And I think you're a really good friend and you're not being judgmental of her and the fact that she's going through this and that she's struggling with it. But I think like we're living, this is, it's really such a, an unusual, it's not unusual, but it's a unique time, Mm -hmm. but it's also a time where you really have to ask yourself before you get married, are our values and goals in life aligned? Yeah. Yeah. I think there are certain things, and I, I kind of tried to explain this to her, when you live in a world, in your world, right? We all live in our own worlds to a, to a point. You're affected by the things that affect you. You don't really think outside of that about what doesn't impact you. And that's what I was trying to explain to her with you and Garrett. I'm sure y'all had those tough conversations two years ago, but what has really challenged your relationship in that way until now? Mm-hmm. And then now that we're here, you're having to have those talks again and really realizing nothing changed. It's just, you moved on, kind of brushed it under the rug. So I think it's during these trying times, whether it be a pandemic with the quarantine or a pandemic with racism, it's really making you reevaluate your friendships, your personal relationships, work relationships. It's a lot. I mean, even me, I've, I have friends that I thought we were great friends and with this happening, have not reached out to me at all. Like, I'm not gonna judge you if you're not posting, okay? To each their own. You don't have to post. You could be donating, volunteering, whatever. But the fact you haven't even said, because I'm making a lot of headlines right now with every, between the Hannah Brown thing and this, <laughs> nonstop. So you've seen what's, going, what's been going on with me and you still haven't even said, just checking on you to see how you are. It's, it's crazy. It's opened my eyes to a lot. And I, and I think being uncomfortable is not an excuse because if we're really friends, you know that I'm not going to judge you same way I'm not doing with Becca. I'm not going to jump on you. I just, it just means a lot for someone to say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, speaking of Hannah, where do things stand 
um, where do things stand like with your relationship and conversation with her? Because from everything I've read, you know, you had really good talk and were that she was asking your advice and didn't really follow it in terms of what she should do about saying a word that she should never have said. Yeah. It, I was, and then that's when you saw me get on social media and, and give the talk about what it means. It was right off the heels of knowing that she wasn't going to come do the live. I, you know, it took her two weeks to apologize. I saw her apology. It was solid as I would expect after two weeks. And she really made a lot of promises that she was going to act on what she had learned. And I still follow her on social media. And so from what I've seen, she's been putting information out there. She's called out her followers for, you know, defending her actions. She's admitted she was wrong. She said, please learn with me. Don't, you know, you know, defend what I did. There's no excuse for it. And I commend her for that. And I encourage her to keep going in her walk and learning all of this. Um, I haven't talked to her. I haven't reached out to her. She hasn't reached out to me. You know, I think I said everything I wanted to say that day. And I've, I mean, we really didn't have a relationship before. So we're kind of back to where we were at the beginning. But I, I don't believe in canceling her for what she did. I'm not big on cancel culture. People make mistakes. And I do appreciate that she's trying to learn from, from what she did. Now that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Now, just going back, circling back to The Bachelor and people learning from mistakes, you've had outreach, but there's been no promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think, like, do you think this will resonate to the highest levels of the decision makers at The Bachelor? I do, because what we're seeing right now in our country is very similar to the way Me Too moved through businesses, organizations, public figures. There was a lot of pressure for people to make a change and make a difference and to be on the right side of it. That's what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter. I mean, Black Lives Matter started in 2013 during the Trayvon Martin uh, case, like with that incident and then with the verdict in between that. So it's seven years later, and now people are really understanding what that movement meant and why it was created. And you're seeing people get removed from TV shows, from people getting fired, from organizations like the NFL making a statement when they've met, I mean, they were adamantly against Colin Kaepernick. So I feel like the Bachelor franchise is watching what's happening and realizing that they have to make a difference, especially with this petition, which is not me. I, I think people think, I saw someone say, Brett. Rachel Lindsay, do it. it's not Brett. Oh, I thought it was Brett Vergara. So I'm so, I know, I'm so glad I get to talk about this because I have talked tell, to Brett. Tell, tell all of our listeners about the petition. So the petition was created by a group of women who were, have a Facebook group and just a woman was just like, I, we need to have more diversity and kind of sent out a message. And there, a lot of people responded. They've been working on this and then got together and said, Hey, we need to make a change. And because Brett is very vocal and, you know, out there as far as bachelor is concerned and he DMs us and tweets at us, he was just like, I'm going to DM everybody and try to, you know, get some legs on this by people in bachelor nation. 
posting about it. But Brett's not the face of it. He's just helping out this group and they, they really want to re, uh, remain faceless. Okay. I just saw right before I hopped on this, they tweeted something and I think they mentioned their names, but they're not doing it for the recognition. They just really want to see something different. And it's a group of women who all look different. And I just think it's just such a beautiful thing. So I wish I could say I was the genius who said, let's do this. It's not me. It's not Brad. It's many women that came together to do this. It's fans who care and want to see the franchise grow and be accepting um, and diverse. So, but where can people who want to tell us the name of the petition? Do you know it and where people can find it to sign it? I will tell you. Okay, go ahead. It's the Bachelor Diversity Campaign is what they're called, but their handle is at Batch Diversity. And I believe that's the same on Twitter and Instagram. And if you go, you can click the link and they have a link tree with the petition, with resources for Black Lives Matter, and Great. all the ways you can find them on social media. So that link tree is in the bio on Twitter and on Instagram. Do you yeah. know, oh, sorry, go ahead, Allie. Um, well, so Rachel, when I had first reached out to you, I texted you like when all of this started and said, are you okay? <laughs> and then, you know, we had a conversation about how, you know, I really have tried to immerse myself in learning and educating and just kind of like sitting on my own in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of talking. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. to you is really helpful in that because you do have great resources and you are so honest in, in, you know, what needs to be done, which I think is what we need. What are your recommendations for being an ally right now and continuing to kind of educate and, and grow in this so it doesn't stop? Yeah. So it doesn't stop. Yeah. I think, and I, I, that's great. So thank you for the opportunity to be able to talk about that. I think that the bare minimum, you could reach out to your friends of color and check on them. You know, like, Ali, you reach out to me just like, but how are you doing? That really goes a long way because it lets you know that you're being seen and heard. And it's hurtful when that person doesn't do that. Your friends don't do that. Mm-hmm. After that, I, I have to tell, remind people, I am not an activist. There are, I believe in social justice and I believe in using my voice and my platform for purpose and for change, but there are people who dedicate their entire lives to fighting this every single day. And so I I keep saying I'm going to do this and I promise I am. There's some people that I follow that I want to highlight on my social media, like Tamika Mallory. Mm -hmm. Um, She's great. She gave a passionate speech in Minneapolis when she was there a few days after George Floyd died. I follow Sean King who has great resources and then has grassroots law that's attached to that as well. Um, can't think of the other ones off my off the top of my head, but there's definitely a list of it. I've also seen a list of books being circulated around that people are reading. 
I would, there's, there are great campaigns like Campaign Zero, donating to the NAACP Legal and Education Fund. Um, there's, so, there's so much out there, and I think that that's what's so great, too, is there's so many different people that are posting things that you can read up on. But my biggest thing I would say is following activists who do this every single day. Um, that's really a great way to do it. Also, volunteering. I'm big on talking about voting. In Texas, I'm on a That's a big yeah. cause for Hollywood Life, too. Yeah. You can register to vote on Hollywood Life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, okay. We have a whole section called Rock the Vote, and we interview people all the time about why they believe it's so important to vote, and there's a register to vote module right there. I love that. I, I used to be registered to vote, or, or, or registrar. How do you say it? Whatever it was, I could register people to vote in Texas. Can't think of the word right now. Now I'm in Florida, so it's totally different, and I actually have to change it all. But yeah, that's important in Florida, too. I, exactly. That's what I keep saying. Like I, We're about to turn blue in Florida. So I think that it's important that there's still time to register, but not just on a national level. There's so much talk about defunding the police and reforming the police department, and I think it's so important that people understand the difference between that, because I think the word defunding sounds yeah. very confusing. It does not mean dismantle, just means defund. And no matter what our president is saying. Yeah. And so I think it's so important that if that's what you want, you want that change in your city, in your county, in your state, that you vote in those local elections too, because that's where you see the lowest turnout, but that's where the biggest change needs to be made. Mm -hmm. Honestly, well, yes, the president, but that's another day, but honestly, <laughs> on the what impacts you on an on an everyday life and so that's so important and i have to encourage people to vote locally county state as well as the national level you can really make a difference doing that well thank you for saying that because um it is so important and george floyd's brother himself i heard him speak about this that it's the people who decide who's going to who's going to head up the police department and who's going to make decisions about whether they are reformed? It is the local state. It's local officials, officials, the mayor, and you know, there's the district attorneys and all the the city council people. All of those people make those decisions. So you have to vote local too. Yeah, my my co-hosts on Higher Learning, which yes is the new podcast that I'm doing on the Ringer Network. My co-host Van Lathan and I talk about politics, current affairs, entertainment, sports, and all how it affects the culture. And my co-host made a really good point about voting. And he said in California, they give you packets and really pay attention to who's endorsing the politician that you may vote for. Because if you look at the police union is endorsing this candidate, then that might not be who you want to vote for. Because exactly. the police. Good. So I thought that was a really good point, too, is to really try to educate yourself. Don't just vote on, oh, I'm going to vote blue, or I'm going to vote red. Really try to figure out everything you can, and especially in these local. You'll get the information you need on a national level. But and in, in the, the primaries. Local, yes, and in the primaries, for sure. Yeah, because the primaries, there can be different types of blue candidates, even if, like you said, don't just vote blue, because there's certain blue candidates who are much more progressive than others. Yeah. I mean, yes. we, watched, um, we watched 13th the other day in my home and even just seeing, you know, Bill Clinton, my mom was like, I'm telling you right now, the reason that we have mass incarceration, a big part of it is Bill Clinton. I'm like, he's a Democrat. And she was like, 
wait, the Alec, you know, funded. Oh, that's so eye-opening. It's so eye-opening. You have to see who is on these, you know, writing these bills and where they're coming from. And that is, I know Bonnie wants to talk. (laughs) Sorry, that's copper. Um, I know Bonnie, we were, we were talking about this before we got on, but that is why you have people like a Candace Owens who say that the Democrats aren't for people of color because you're using that 1994 crime bill to show what Bill Clinton and his administration did, which, as you know, in 13th, mass incarceration is another form of what they call slavery, imprisonment, and to, to hold, oppress people of color. And, and labor, too. Exactly. Yes, because when exactly. people are in prison, they get them to work for almost nothing. Right. Exactly. And that's the kind of stuff that a Candace Owens will say to say that the Democrats are just using people of color and aren't really for us. And I get a lot of questions as of late about Candace Owens. And I, it's, there's so much to get into with her. Just, just for our, our listeners who don't know who she is, she's a very far right conservative pundit and um, who you retweeted a tweet which called her a black white supremacist because she is not supportive of black lives matter her only comment about george floyd was that he wasn't somebody that anybody he wasn't a martyr he shouldn't be someone you look up to that's all she's had to say that i saw and i've seen it repeated and she is on mike pence's task force about race relations I, there's, you mentioned that Candace is against Black Lives Matter. Candace is against everything that's Black. And that is the problem with Candace. And that's why it's so hard to address what she says. Like, for example, she'll, example, she will tweet something and say it's a fact, but doesn't provide any type of resources or any type of explanation as to why, where you got this fact from. And what bothers me with Candace is that her comments take away from what Black Lives Matter really is about. And it gives people who don't want to unlearn what they've always known. It gives them the excuse to say, well, Candace said it, so then it must be true. It gives them the excuse to stay the way that they are and stay in that thinking. And that's what's circulating a lot around conservative circles. And my biggest thing with Candace, and I said this once on social media, is that you have to think about it. What is her sole purpose? What is it that she's always talking about? She's literally used as a mouthpiece for conservatives to criticize the very race that she is, period. If she wasn't criticizing black people, they would not be using her. That's all that she's done. She's just like a caricature to them to do that. And that's what's so frustrating about her because she claims that she's trying to open the eyes of black people, but she does nothing to support her very own race. Not one thing. I mean, she stood up and said that white supremacy and racism don't exist in this country. But when you were in high school, you sued the school that you were with. Yeah, you you sued your school because of racism that you faced at the hands of, I don't know if it was the principal or something or school board or school board or something like that. So which one is it? There's so much hypocrisy in what she says that it's, that's why it's so hard to even address it because where do we even start? I mean, it's like banging your head against the wall and they use her as a billboard because she's a black woman saying these things that, and they think it's okay. That's their, oh, well, Candace says it's okay. And it's, you know, instead of the masses. She has sold her soul for clickbait. 
that's, I mean, like, that's really what it comes down to. Well, I guess, listen, she sold her soul for fame and fortune because she gets speaking engagements. Um, You know, she makes money from taking these stances. And that's all it is. There's no rhyme, reason, logic behind it. It is simply because she's made a business and a brand off of it. Right. But to to be clear, just because of the things that she's saying, we are in 2020, and Mm -hmm. there are many progressive candidates who support Black Lives Matter, who support the idea of defunding the police or finding alternative ways of policing through community policing, like different forms. Like there are lots of progressive candidates who happen to be Democrats. So you can't just label the whole party. Right. No, in 1994, what Bill Clinton did. Exactly. And I even say the same thing about conservatives. There's, when people ask me, what do I think about a Candace? It's not that she's a conservative. There's not a problem with that at all. It's the, what she's spewing out that is the problem. Right. That's what's against Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter and Black people. But it has nothing to do with her political party at all. Agreed. Now, the podcast on The Ringer, mm-hmm. um, when can people see that? When, when do you post? Is it done every week? Do you, what time do you post it? So we do twice a week. And it typically comes out Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings. But in light of everything that's going on, sometimes we've done them a little bit earlier just because we want to make sure we tackle the news as it's fresh. But you can find it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And yep, comes twice a week. And, you know, originally it was going to be a little bit more lighthearted, but we also want to be like read the pulse of the culture. We want to listen to what's going on. And so that's what our mood is kind of what's going on, what's happening in the country. So we have fun with it, but we also have these bigger conversations to create open dialogue. And the title of the podcast, Higher Learning, is based off a 1995 John Singleton movie called Higher Learning, of the same name. And the point of that movie is that is unlearning what you've learned before. And that's even shouted at the very end by Lawrence Fishburne. And so that's really what we want to do. We just want to have these bigger conversations and hopefully encourage, you know, have people open up their minds or maybe even go away from our podcast or share it with somebody and talk and talk about politics and current affairs and how it affects people of color. Now, um, I think that, sorry. So Van was also the one who notoriously kind of clapped back at Kanye West when he was at TMZ and Candace with Candace. Yeah, right. I just realized this. Candace was there with him. What, like, has he had any kind of thoughts on, especially Kanye's reaction, which took two weeks for him to even get involved in any of this as well? Yeah, so Van, I did not know that Candace was there. You know, you, I knew about the Kanye thing. I'd seen a short clip, but then once we were going to do this podcast, I was like, let me do my research and watch the long one. And when Kanye keeps saying Candace, and I was like, what is he talking about? And then she pops up, and I was like, oh my gosh. So Van does not want to talk about Candace on the podcast, and we, in this last episode, we touch on it, but we don't really get into it. So he doesn't really speak on, I think for him, he said everything he wanted to say about Kanye to Kanye, 
And it is, if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to, to Google it, look it up because how, his response to Kanye is, is out of this world. It is brilliant, brilliant. And, um, he confronted him. Yeah. 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 He confronted yeah. him about his, about Kanye's support of Donald Trump and how it made absolutely no sense. And Kanye made a comment that uh, slavery was a choice. And so that, and he, and, and with the Trump comments as well. And so when he had people stand up and said, does anybody have a problem with what I, what I said, Van is the only one in the entire room, TMZ room that stood up and said, I do. And this is why. So for him, he said it all, laid it all out and doesn't really talk about it anymore. And I'm fine with that too, because it was so brilliant and how he responded yeah and well listen kanye is a total mystery as well because yes he made that comment which made no sense but on one hand he's given to, he's marched he's given two million dollars to um the the um family of the floyd family and brianna taylor's family and ahmed arbery's family it's like that's wonderful but he still supports donald trump and i just don't know how do you support Black Lives Matter and Donald Trump? I, I don't know. I didn't even know he still supported them. I that's that was yeah, apparently that may I that is news to me. I don't understand how you truly do either. If you're listening to what he's saying, I don't. Yeah, I because then you're not understanding what Black Lives Matter means. You're not understanding what they're trying to accomplish and how they're just trying to be equal in this country because the leader of our country. It isn't even addressing it and race and race relations are not on his agenda and that speaks volumes so to me that is a stark contrast to what the black lives matter movement is trying to do just um well we still have a few minutes we need to catch up with you and brian yeah. and you've now been married it's wasn't it last august or has a whole other year gone by you're <laughs> so not even a year you're still a newlywed um but i hear that there's a move coming up you moved to miami to be with brian yes but now and tell us what's happening yeah i feel like i'm moving every year but i'm I, i'm going to be by coastal but i've got a place in la so that's been difficult to move to with everything that's going on, but I'll be back and forth because a lot of my work these days is in LA. So Brian will still be in Miami for the most part because he still has his practice here. And so it's not as easy for him to move and I'll be the one going back and forth. And we're just going to try this out, figure it out for a year and then see what happens. Actually, year was supposed to be April. So I'm not sure what we're going to do now. And, that, and I think that's been the silver lining for us with quarantine. You know, if you're trying to see something positive, we've really had the opportunity to spend so much time with each other in a way that we haven't before because I'm always on the road traveling. So for us, this has been great for our relationship just to build on what we have, to soak up all the time that we have with one another before we have to do this bi-coastal thing. So we're good. We haven't killed each other. You know, I feel like people, people either come out of this, you know, surviving it or it's over. And for us, it's been fantastic. We, you know, I still learn something new about Brian every day. 
the main thing is that he has terrible taste in movies. And he would say, <laughs> and he would say that I have terrible taste too. We are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. When he falls asleep, I turn on like Broadway musicals or whatever. <laughs> he wants to watch like action movies. It's we're having a good time. It's been a lot of fun. Now, since we just got on the subject of movies, let me ask you about another controversial thing with movies, Gone with the Wind. Have you ever seen what? What did they say? Oh, I love mean, Gone with the Wind. Oh, you do? <laughs> what did they say? I mean, what, what are they saying? Their HBO Max is going to take it down from their library for a while until they can create sort of an intro explaining about that, you know, the time of when it was made and how it's factually incorrect. And uh, to put it in perspective, really. Quality. Um, because because it, it presents slavery in such, um, you know, a completely unfactual way. It makes it look like it's, you know, slaves are all happy. <laughs> they definitely do. Like, they all get along with, with the people in the house. And yes. yeah. yeah, even the way that she talks to Scarlett, it's like no one was talking, you know, to their madam like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't, I, I love it because it's a, I just love the cinematography, I guess, of it all. Um, but, and I like the story, but that's interesting. So I wonder if there's a lot of things that they're going to have, you know, as soon as we get off this interview, I'm going to have to Google this and be up on it. So it came, it came down after um, a 12 years, a 12 years, a slave producer said that it should be taken down. And so they, you know, temporarily brought it down to, to make this kind of intro, new intro to it. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, Netflix now after backlash of the help becoming the number one, you know, movie this past week that Netflix has now created a Black Lives Matter collection at the front I of their, their I didn't know that was because of the help. I think but I did got a lot of backlash for like the help being shown on all the pages. <laughs> it was like, that's, we don't need that. I read the article about the white savior complex and movies highlighting that specifically with hidden figures. They created a Kevin Costner's character doesn't really exist and that's loosely based off a true story. Um, Blindside is another movie that they talked about. The Help. Yeah, so it's, I, it's really going to be interesting, the Hollywood effect of this. I mean, this is having a bigger impact than, we mentioned Me Too at the top of this, but even bigger than Me Too. So yeah, every day we're gonna learn something new. Yeah. We really are. For the, for the better. I really think I'm so. I'm excited for oh. it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so um, in terms of you and Brian, so you're going to plan to be go back and forth for mm -hmm. a year and Brian will go back and forth. So you both get to be by, like he'll come and visit you and you'll go back and forth. Yeah. Um, and how does this affect your family plans? Wow. <laughs> you know what's interesting? We were really gonna, we had talked about starting this summer. We were like, okay, like let's officially start the summer. And then when we were talking about that six months ago, well then when COVID happened, and I've been one of those people who's really been anal about it until I protested and then it just all kind of, <laughs> <laughs> so, I like you, wore mask. you wore a mask. I did wear a mask, but there were times, you know, it's hot, it's hot in Miami, you know, you, yeah. I, I was, it was on, off, on, off. So, 
once COVID happened, we were just kind of like, let's just wait and see what, how this all pans out. I know so many people who are pregnant, just got pregnant or about to have children and it doesn't seem to affect them. So sooner than later, but the, the plan was this summer, we were going to, you know, start trying. So we'll see. Well, don't let us or anything else get in the way. Be <laughs> <laughs> an aunt, Allie. <laughs> we to, yeah, we all want to be ants for you. Um, that would be so, so exciting. Um, well, you know, I would love it if we could, if you want to share with us afterwards the list of activists that you follow that yeah. we could share with our readers so that they also can follow them. And, um, and you know, we've, all, we've told our audience about a lot of organizations, including some of the ones that you've mentioned, like the NAACP, which is an incredible organization mm -hmm. and has been around for decades, yes. um, fighting for Black Lives Matter, but fighting for equal rights. I mean, they, right. they start, were around, I think, in the 50s and 60s, right. certainly in the 50s. So, um, but anything else, other resources that you want to share with us that we can share with our audience? I can't think off the top of my head. I'm so, somebody asked me also this and I was like, I swear I'm going to make a list so I can read it off. I'm doing, I'm going to send you though, yes. the list of people that I do follow yes. um, that I just started following. I wasn't before, but out of all of this, I thought people are turning to me and I, and I appreciate that, but I also want to redirect them to the people who do this full time. Yeah. And if any of the back, sorry, go ahead, Allie. Yeah, no, so on Hollywood Life too, so every day I've been highlighting two um, black creators on Instagram, but we also did um, a post that we highlighted Rachel Cargill, who's amazing. That's another one, yes. Um, and she just started kind of her own like college course called The Great Unlearn, and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So everybody should really tune into her. Um, Brittany Picnic who is um, Pod Save America, and she also launched Campaign Zero, who has the eight can't wait, which like is the easiest thing to email all your representatives and you know repeal these eight policies that create violence within police departments. Mm -hmm. um, so those are definitely the two that I love and have learned so much from. Female Collective is such a badass too. She's just like fun and has cool like graphics and stuff and I love her. That, the first two I definitely follow because Brittany was very big on explaining what the Blackout Tuesday was and how not to silence Black voices. And that's actually, actually how I found her. So yeah, they're both, they're, they're great. And then I'm sure through them, there are other people that you can follow too. So Oh, and then Check Privilege. That's another one who is like, she, um, her name's Aisha Mills. And so it's called, it's like CK, your privilege. And I mean, yeah. at least for me, I've learned so much, like things about microaggressions, things about, um, you know, questions to ask the right way, to, just re really unlearning and relearning. And she does a really good job with that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we will share after we're okay. off. We'll share all this information. Um, have you received any particular like support? Any shout-outs to any of the uh, the Bachelor Nation people that you've heard from who are supporting your diversity campaign? Yeah, I mean, you mean contestants? Yeah, yeah. contestants. Uh, Nick Vile has been so such a force when it comes to this. Um, I've heard from a lot. 
but I've been so impressed with Nick and Ben Higgins. Ben Higgins is someone who is normally doesn't want to like shake things up, walks the straight line, but he has been calling out his followers. He has reached out to me. Um, I've really been impressed, but even on his podcast with Ashley, I same thing. I see saw Jojo posted the diversity campaign. Tyler Cameron has reached out to me. We talk probably once a week about what's going on. I mean, they were just, cause we're both in Florida too. And they were just down in a, a little bit South of Miami protesting there. Like a lot, a lot of people, Astrid Locke, my best friend in Bachelor Nation has been posting a lot of stuff as well. It's, more than not have been posting in vaccination. I mean, it's too, too many to name, but, um, which is a great thing. And I'm, and I'm happy for it because I've always complained that I'm the only one speaking out. Mm-hmm. And it's been really great to see people who don't look like me that are speaking out. And they support the call for more diversity on Bachelor too. Yeah. Sean Lowe, I just saw something where Sean Lowe said it. These are people who have notoriously been silent. Even his wife, Catherine, I don't know if you saw her post, but she talked about her experience on the back yes. of being a Filipino woman. Yes, we wrote about it. People are really telling their stories, and I'm encouraged by it. Yeah. Well, ben, we, are, ben, we are too. I was so impressed with because he, you know, is it, he's like, I mean, he's like on the God Squad. Like he is yeah. a very religious man, and he, you know, a lot of his followers are too, and he was so quick to, turn them down using the Bible. And I think that that's something, you know, when Trump walks out with his Bible, well, here's, you know, Ben, an influencer with all these followers that can shut that down very quickly using his own practice. And I thought that was so strong. Me too. Me too. Really been impressed. Well, we are, we are very impressed with you and everything that you are doing and how you are speaking out and using your platform. And so, everybody, all of our listeners, uh, you can you can sign the Bachelor Diversity Campaign Petition to help make Bachelor more diverse. You can support Rachel by listening to her fabulous podcast twice a week, um, Higher Learning on the Ringer, mm-hmm. and you've got to keep. We've got to keep up with you on everything that you are doing. Uh, hopping across the country as soon as you're allowed to. Right? I know, I know. I'm excited by everything and um, really encouraged by what I'm seeing, not just in Bachelor Nation, but just in the world in general. So um, we'll see what happens. But thank you guys so much for having me on. Love coming to talk to y'all. So much fun. Thank you for joining us and for speaking your mind here with Allie and I on the Hollywood Life Podcast.